This is a news laundry and Roly Pulse podcast examining the news media landscape. Roly Pulse is a digital initiative by Roly Books. Hello and welcome to this conversation that has been uh, organized by Roly Books uh, and uh, I am going to be speaking with Kobad Gandhi, Gautam Vora and Ishad Hussain. My name is Abhinandan Sekri from News Laundry and in case you're wondering uh, why the four of us are talking and while we usually ensure that we don't have manuals, we always have women on our panels. Uh, this is different and special because for one, uh, we are uh, going to be talking about Kobad's book Fractured Freedom. Those of you who have been following Kobad Gandhi's case and life in the last decade, as I have, being a news professional. But even if you're not, you have seen how dramatic, uh, disturbing, and uh, at least for me, it's rather scary, but he seems to wear that rather lightly. And why are Gautam and Ishat here? Well, Gautam and Ishat are classmates of Kobad and uh, this conversation is going to be taken to another level because they can talk about what the evolution of Kobad has been since they knew him in school. And why I am thrilled to be posting this is because I am from the same school. We are all alumni of the Dune School. And uh, I have known of these gentlemen. I don't know these gentlemen because we were uh, three decades apart. At least. Uh, but we did walk <laughs> yes. Fractured Freedom is Kobad's book where you can read about his dramatic life. Uh, and uh, while it seems fun and games, I have read not all of it, but uh, it, is, it is amazing what this man has been through. So first, let me introduce Kobad Gani, the author of the book. Hi, Hi Kobad. Hi, Abhinandan. Pleasure having you. Nice to be on News Laundry. <laughs> It's such a good well, actually you are yeah, yeah, thank you so much for the compliment. The Roly Books is the one who yeah. is organizing it, but New Zealand is always happy to partner yeah. with them. So though you our guests, our, our viewers know what Kobar does. Uh, but uh, Gautam, why do you introduce yourself? Uh, what do you do? Uh, well, I when I left university, I took to journalism, in fact, like you. And I was with the Times of India for 15 years. I was taken in as assistant editor and I eventually became editor of Sunday Times. And while I was working on um, various development issues, I even covered the uh, Naxalite movement in Andhra Pradesh and did a lot of traveling to cover events in various states. I began to realize that there was something more that could be done other than writing. And that is why after 15 years, I left journalism and set up an NGO. And that NGO is now working in organic farming, um, worked with tribals in Maharashtra, has an organic farm in Haryana. That's what my friends are seeing on WhatsApp uh, these days. And, um, and we have a school and a women's center in West Delhi. I see. And, and when you were reporting on the Naxalite movement, was Kobad active politically at the time? Was there an overlap? Well, he must have been, but I didn't know. And anyway, after reading his book, I realized he was more in the Nagpur region. You know, yeah. I had gone to Andhra. And amazingly yeah. enough, it's the Andhra police that have filed a case against him. Who I, know, I don't know how, because he was never in that area. Nagpur and um, yeah. Basti is in the north of Maharashtra. 
And Ishat, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, how long you have known Kobad? Uh, well, Abhinandan, just like uh, Gautam, in fact, Gautam Kobad and I joined school the same day, sometime in August of 1958. Um, I don't know, for some odd reason, God went straight to the house, but you will appreciate the difference. Kobad and I went to Holding House. And uh, so I've known uh, Gautam and Kobad since then. Uh, we were roommates, classmates, played games together. And uh, Kobe, I can call him that, um, we really lost touch for many, many years. I used to see him in Bombay off and on before he left for England, but I used to see him in London and uh, till 1969. And, and then Kobad and I lost touch completely for 50 years. Um, and, and we met uh, at my flat in 2019, just after he came out of uh, jail. And uh, I was very concerned, you know, if I just showed up or sent Kobad an email, how he'd respond. So I consulted Gotham and Gotham said, no, 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 you must get in touch with him immediately. And I sent him an email and before I knew anything, he had responded. And after that, we've been meeting each other very frequently as long uh, and, and of course speak very, very often on the phone. And uh, after, you know, I went into the corporate world. I worked um, in the corporate world for over 40 years. I held various positions. I was in Tata Sons. And uh, finally, when I retired in 2017, I thought I'd also join my good friends in the NGO world. So now I'm on about five NGOs uh, as trustee stroke director. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is a interesting mix, but I, I think boarding school does that. You know, someone who has head lead, held leadership positions in corporate India, uh, you know, and Kobad, of course, who ideologically, I'm sure, is opposed to what uh, corporate India or crony capitalism, how he may decide to define it, uh, would, would, would um, the ideology you think that would represent. But Kobad, one thing is clear yes. that over the last decade or so longer, you have been in, I think, four or five prisons across India. Yeah, largeness in Tihar, uh, six or seven prisons, basically. Tihar, uh, Hyderabad, Vishaka, Tuin, Jharkhand, Patiala, and Surat. <laughs> but uh, Patiala, Surat was just a month or so each. The cases went very promptly. Uh, main drag, the main thing was in Tihar, seven years over one case. So, I mean, the idea to write a book came because you had so much of time to think in prison and not much no, to no, do. No, or no, no. is it a is it a ideological thing you want to put out there to try to convince others that your way is the right way? What is the motivation behind the book? Actually, uh, throughout the jail journey, I had no intention of writing a book because I didn't know where it was going to lead. The cases were just dragging on and on and on. And uh, the, uh, even when I was released finally in 2017, December, I was, in three days time, I was rearrested. So in, in fact, uh, one didn't know where, and the cases as Gautam mentioned earlier, was all uh, places which I've never even heard of. Achampet, Narayan Pet. All these places I never heard of, and cases were put. Uh, Tenugat in Jharkhand, I first thought it was in uh, somewhere in Cholapur or something. Yeah, that's what the case was. But I just didn't know where these were. So if they can cook up such cases all over the place, uh, and the way the cases were dragging on and on and on, 
Um, I was not sure I'll ever get out, and even if I did get out, whether I'll get out alive. 18 cases all over the country in places I've not known. So I, I, I didn't give it a thought. I was writing in jail, in mainstream. I was writing articles on the Indian economy, on anything that disturbed me, because we had access to newspapers and magazines. That was never stopped. So that I was reflecting my uh, feelings and uh, to various issues, right from demonetization to even budget analysis and things like that, which I've been doing. But uh, it was only at the last stage of the journey when I reached Surat Jail that I thought that I need to. Actually, it was in Jharkhand the idea came to me because when all this nationalism and this was going on, I was talking to Adon, who was very. Uh, uh, helpful with me in uh, Hazaribagh jail and we, uh, the thing came out all this nationalism and uh, people talk about and the president just everyone's talking about nationalism and patriotism and all that I felt that at that time it struck me that why shouldn't I put my story because it was purely racism against racism that means with a nationalist spirit that I came to communism and it was only to serve the people of our country and development in our country that I came to this ideology at, at, at that time. So that it struck me at that time, but I didn't take it further. But when I was in Surat and when it looked as though things were coming to an end, I started making notes and jottings about the uh, jail, jail diary. And as I started writing and discussing with people, the book evolved into an autobiographical type of thing. And also, of course, I did want to, in the third section, carry the viewpoint. Because I felt my 50 years of experience has brought out a lot of some sort of lacuna also within the communist movement, within the communist uh, methodology, which I wanted to present also. I had presented in articles in mainstream in 2012 in a rudimentary form, but I wanted to develop it, which I want to develop even further in future. But, so I, your I, nudge, I, your, but your nudge to communism was because of the racial kind of prejudice that you faced when yeah. you were studying in? In, 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 UK. The, in, yeah. in UK, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was because of racism, actually, that my eyes opened at that time. As Gautam would also bring out at that time, there was all this Tarikali movement against Vietnam and this and that. There was a huge communist upsurge worldwide. And at first, I wasn't, I was uh, thought I'd go to, Ga I read Gandhi because he fought ap apartheid in South Africa. But I didn't find answers. And finally, the whole atmosphere was such that. Everyone was veering towards communism, and actually, it was the communist groups that were taking up the issue of racism. In but UK. before you faced this racial prejudice or you experienced it firsthand in Britain, were you politically inclined? Were you inclined towards? Absolutely no, absolutely zero. I had this Dune School and then Xavier's College and everything. I mean, we had studied Animal Farm for Cambridge, seen in Cambridge. So there was and no chance that I you only knew communism. Snowball and you, uh, Napoleon and such things all I knew about oh communism leads to dictatorship and things like that. I had absolutely no inkling about any of these aspects, even racism. And when I came to India, I knew nothing about caste. Though afterwards I fought on caste issues and which uh, communists don't take up. But so it was uh, rather late in life that you kind of discovered this. You know, Gautam, I read your piece yeah. even when Kobad was in prison and what would become of uh, him was unclear. Um, and I remember there was Operation Green Hunt and, you know, Chidambaram's big push to clean out Maoism from the country. Uh, I read a piece that you had written in the Dune School alumni magazine called the Rose Bowl. 
And in the same Rose Bowl, I don't know if it was exactly on that side of the page, but I was, and I remember showing it to my, there was an article on Tamil Nath, who was, I think, the surface transport okay. minister or something. Okay. I was like, here's an article on Kobat Gandhi, who was this celebrated ideological terrorist or whatever they described him. And in, this, and in the same magazine, there was an article on Kamal Nath. Uh, now, so, so what, what did you when, you, when you were in school, what was Kobad like? Did you ever think that he's most likely to spend a decade in jail student? Or, you know, was he ideological? And when he went in, uh, did you ever feel that uh, as, as a DOSCO, this is something that Dune should either be proud of or be ashamed of? Or how did, you know, what made you write that article in the Rose Bowl on Kobad? But once before Gautam comes, let me tell you, Gautam has been there right from day one, helping out at me, right from the very first day to even came to Hazari Bagh jail. Now Gautam can continue. Yeah, no, what I wanted to say first, uh, just as the side on Kamala, by the way, he's a, a classmate of ours. Huh? Same batch. And roommate same batch, also. Same batch. <laughs> he got left behind a year. He was with us, he got left behind. In, and he's a good friend of all of us. I, I mean, I, I've kept in touch with him. I'm sure Ishaat has. Kobad has been away. So, you know, it's ironical that the roommate many different uh, people he, are so, in the Mother, same... He was your roommate, Kobad. Huh? Yeah, he, he was, was for one some time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's one. Um, the uh, At that time, Kobad, what I remember him was, you see, public schools, as, I mean, as you are familiar, Abhinandan, is that, you know, you know if you play sports and you're out active, you're noticed. I think Kobad was, as I've said, on the quiet and retiring side. And it is only later on, uh, when he emerged from college, I think, when he got involved in developmental work, I would call it, I won't call it social work, developmental work that led to an ideological training that took him to Marxism, um, that I think uh, he lost um, uh, his uh, withdrawn nature. Uh, he came out and because he felt strongly about things. So I think it has to do with that transformation from a relatively quiet, withdrawn individual who did well in his studies, but was not active in public school um, in the sense that sports makes you come out. But he came out in a different fashion much later. And when he was going through this transformation, were you in touch with him at the time? Did you observe any transformation slowly? Like, uh, yes, I, know, Ishaat, I, I, Ishaat I, I met him then and met him years later. So, yeah, no, I, I met uh, Kobad a couple of times because I was a journalist. Um, um, Kobe was around, he was in Bombay, he used to visit Bombay. So, a couple of times I met him, and I was uh, very struck by the kind of work he was doing. Uh, and at that time, you know, we, uh, we were in the 22, 23, 24, more concerned with our own careers. So when we met, it was basically um, uh, affection and laughter, but not too deep probing. But I knew that the path the Kobad was taken, had taken, was quite remarkable from, you know, um, I mean, I may have felt strongly about issues and I wanted to write about them and I was willing to do anything to go to those places, wherever the action was, or where there was injustice. But here, a guy was really taking on the system, taking on the state. And um, uh, did you worry? Did you worry for him? Did you think at that time? I, I, you see, I didn't know the depth of his. When I said we were in our mid twenties and we were more concerned with our own careers, but I knew that he was doing something remarkable. That's something that I, if I had the guts, and we've discussed it in different ways, if I had the capacity to declass myself and take on and live with the poor and be part of that, that I could sense 
was not in me and I could sense that was in Kubat and his young wife. I, I don't know whether she, you were married then, but I'd met her at that time also. Married in 77. Uh -huh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, around that time when I met you, yeah. 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 So, so Ishaat, uh, what are your recollections of Kobat? Did you think he would be most likely to spend a decade in jail when you were in school? Were you, were you uh, saddened about the path he took? Did you agree? Did you disagree? Did you ever have you know lively debates like we all do with our classmates who choose different things and paths? Um, uh, no, Abhinandan, I've written a little piece in Kobat's book which has been produced which talks about rediscovering Kobad. Uh, it ends with, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm fortunate that I rediscovered Kobad. No, um, I, I didn't imagine that, uh, first of all, we were not that politicative when we were in, but subsequently as many of our classmates went into politics in a big way and two of them are, two of them were chief ministers. Um, no, I didn't see that in Kobad. What I did see in Kobad, and he was my very dear friend, like Gautam, uh, Kobad was, didn't have a mean bone in him, you know. He had no mean streak in him. He was an extremely good-natured person. That's very Parsi. Very kind no. person. That's, that's, well, that's, you know, I, my, my son-in-law is a Parsi, but I may tend to agree with that. But he, had, <laughs> he, had, he didn't have a mean bone in him, and he was gentle. Uh, like Kobad, uh, Gautam was a very good sportsman. I was a better sportsman than Kobad, but but I was not uh, of the school level. Uh, I didn't have a games blaze or anything. But uh, we were all, uh, you know, in our own ways, uh, we were discovering ourselves. And you know what? What I really found is that many of our friends in school, you know, who were the gangbusters, so to call, so to say. They, they just fizzled out and many boys who you never thought in school would really shine out actually shone out and really we evolved differently we evolved at a different pace and uh, in very different directions like like you saw where, which way kobad went no i i didn't imagine that that kobad would um, would finally take the path which he took and he took a very radical path no doubt about it which I admire greatly, and I think. Uh, so, Ishaan, uh, let if, me ask yeah, this. If you ask me, also, I also wouldn't think that I would have taken that path. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of other questions for you, Kumar. But, yes. uh, Ishaan, let me ask you this, and you know, answer as honest as as you can, because you have served as so-called a captain of industry. You have done an exemplary job in running organizations that have added to the welfare of our economy, no doubt. Do you think, and whoever I speak to who knew Kobad in school tells me that he was really bright. Uh, do you think uh, he could have added uh, or, or been a lot, of a lot more service to the country had he chosen a path of a more conventional nature? Do you think he could have propagated an ideology that is good, that is ethical, that is fair, yet do it in a way that kind of conforms to what public schools prepare us for? Uh, I mean, and then it's one of the ifs of history, you know. Uh, you know, it's impossible to... Uh, but all that I can say is that I'm very proud of what Kobad has achieved. And uh, I really am proud. And uh, I can't wait against Gotham's achievement or my achievement. But Kobad's 
is exemplary. It stands out. It stands out. And, and, yeah, you know, I guess it's... it's, I know, it's but I have no doubt that had Kobad followed... Uh, he, was, he was very bright. Uh, if he had become a TA, he would have outshone me for sure. You know, uh, I have no doubt about that. But as I said, whatever he chose to do, he, 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 did, he did what he believed was right. And I think very few of us really... Uh, can can turn around and say that with any great conviction, but I think Kobad can. No doubt, uh, Kobad. Let me just read out the the you know the dedication mm -hmm. of your book, and I have not finished it, but I have read more than half. Yeah, and I'm blown away by how dramatic your life has been. But I would this really uh, is really poignant and it's extremely touching. I just want to read it and ask you a question of a slightly personal nature related to this. You said this book is dedicated to my late wife Anuradha, fondly called Anu, in whom I saw all that was good in society. Her commitment to truth and justice and her idealism could dispel the darkness of a benighted world. Anu's courage of conviction, simplicity, straightforwardness, her intelligence and honesty made her the ideal social activist. Clearly, she meant a lot to you. And I have uh, read about her even before I read your book. There was uh, a piece I read about, uh, you know, passing i think maybe you only yeah. wrote that for a publication mm -hmm. um now there's a you have faced immense loss because of the life both you and anu chose uh you could have had a very different old age than you do now so i have two questions one um how do you still maintain this lively fun personality in spite of the immense loss that you have undergone in your personal life like what what's so funny uh you know if you know what i mean and and do you feel um do you feel that too much has been taken away from you for the rest of your life to reward you adequately for well i don't know but uh i feel that uh what we set out to do both anu and myself we try to do it fully and uh, i felt that uh of course, if more attention had been given, maybe Anu could have been saved from death at that time. But uh, her health was deteriorating with systemic sclerosis. For how she would have taken old age also, I'm not so sure. So maybe, I don't know, everyone looks at it. Uh, I took, it took me about four or five years to get over her loss. Then I finally got over it and I felt that, uh, that uh, what I saw in her, the good, good qualities which I saw in her, which are not so prevalent, I found in the other circles. I thought that it would be a good model to present before people so that coming generations can learn from this. It was also a living model. It's also the points I raise as the values one needs to have. But since there was a living model of that, I thought to present it in her. And uh, that's why I, uh, taken, I've taken so much... Uh, I've written art articles on the same thing all earlier also, like from jail. And uh, I felt that uh, this uh, Anu was that type of model. Of course, if she had lived, it would have been much better, but we all have to die and some, sometimes. When did you meet her? Uh, how did you get to know her? And what did you learn from her? And finally, when she was ill, did you ever at any point, you or her, have that slight... Um, kind of tendency to say, you know what, let's get back to a city life so that she can be treated because of the kind of life you led that 
that that wouldn't allow the kind of medical attention that she needed well, actually, to be given. Well, actually, we met in 1972 as soon as I came back from London. There was this program altered the university. That time she was a vivacious uh, student leader in Elphinstone College. And Jyoti, her friend, classmate, has written a lot about her, which I quoted in the book. And gives a picture. She knew her before I knew her. So uh, she portrayed a picture of the type of person she was in college before she became so politically uncommitted. And uh, so then slowly we got involved. Of course, she was a very good intellectual, as Jyoti brings out in her article. She would have been one of those top intellectuals, academics, if she had gone on in that line. But she also chose to uh, uh, leave that life and work for the masses and people. And then we both moved to Nagpur. Of course, in the later years, it was a little bit difficult. It was getting a bit difficult because with old age and health problems, it was. And the trouble is in these type of communist movements, one never retires. We keep going on and on and on. So that aspect didn't come. And she had an autoimmune disease, which is not very easily treatable. In fact, it has no cure as such. And she was taking some mushroom tablets and all that. But uh, I did think uh, when she had come back and I knew I was in Delhi at that time, I thought that now I must spend more time with her and looking after her health. But by then it was too late. When I got there, she went to the hospital. She went into coma and died. So I, I, at that time I did feel, though not retirement as such, but I did feel that more attention needed to be given to her. And she was a type of person who never demanded attention. I mean, one couldn't realize, you, unless you saw, really went deep into seeing her, you wouldn't show her illness anywhere. You couldn't tell that she was suffering that much. But because she just wouldn't uh, show that at all. And, uh, and sometimes probably I didn't uh, take that into cognizance also. Then I could have given more attention. But certainly uh, I did feel that when, when I have time when she passed away. And, and uh, we'll just, uh, but uh, these things happen. Think uh, in our type of lives, there's any retirement or anything like that. And uh, we didn't consider, but I did feel that it had come to a place where we needed to be more settled and she needed looking after. I have another question you know, before I move to Gautam, which is that uh, what is the kind of opposition you faced from your immediate family when you decided to abandon your? pursuit of chartered accountancy and, uh, you know, justify your education and the money spent on it. I, uh, instead of going down the road, you went. Actually, we were very lucky. Both Anu's parents and my parents were extremely supportive. Uh, even Anu's parents, I can understand because they had come from a communist background. They had got married in fact in uh, uh, 1940. But my parents, uh, my father was finance director, but surprisingly, he was very uh, democratic. And uh, when we were in, when I was in London and was shifting to this type of ideology and this type of work and all that, we used to have long debates and letters. And finally, he in fact came around to my view, and not I come and he was very proud of that. And right till his death, I mean, he was a solid support. We used to go. He was in Mahabaleshwar, then in Panchkani, and we used to go there regularly. Uh, some of our activist skaters, we used to have a, a study classes in Mamleshwar in his uh, small outhouse type of hotel. 
and he would have long discussions with them. He read all our literature. I mean, he totally, totally, uh, he was a bit uh, like many people were demoralized when China went back and when the movement also collapsed and things like that. But otherwise, he was a total, uh, he had come around completely. And so also my mother was at that time. Tori, but she died young. So in, in fact, we've got, uh, both of us had enormous support from our parents. And when we decided not to have children, not to give up the family, this thing, money and all, they completely supported. They said, we look after the child, both the parents. They said, wow. no, if, if we have to have children, we should look after it. And uh, really enjoy that, that, that explains your sprightly nature and your smile. You have a lot to thank. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you believe in God as a communist, but I guess you have a, a lot of a lot to thank your life for, uh, even if yeah. you so much against it. Um, really, and even now, my sister is supporting me. I'm staying at her place and things like that. So she may never be as uh, agreeable with the ideology, but uh, like my father was, but uh, very supportive. So, so I mean, I've really been lucky, and Anu's family also is close to me. So, so, so Gautam, uh, from, from Kobad's book, uh, can you tell me the bits that that you found most moving, uh, inspiring, or disturbing? Uh, what part of his very dramatic life, and I can't say that enough, do you find something that grabs your attention more than other parts? You see, inspiring, it's obvious that he could take on the system and take it on with such courage. That is the inspiring part. The, I found a lot of it very disturbing. Disturbing in the sense that the Indian state, but let me say, before I make the other comment, on the whole, the judicial system came through. Kobad is free. They couldn't pr prove a single thing. To that extent, I'm grateful and have been always conscious that the Indian judicial system, despite the drawbacks and the bureaucracy, is good and solid. But the treatment he was meted out in prison the way the cases were filed again and again, how can you tolerate that? How can you accept that? I mean, I, my blood is to boil. You know, I see Kobad accepting all this. Of course, he, he rages against it to some extent in the book, but not, not half as much I would rage if I felt the kind of indignities, the wrongs, the calumny, the, so much so much that annoys and angers and enrages and yet he continued to work um, I mean that's in the prison outside it he was taking on the system and giving of himself and sometimes I wondered how is it that the communist party is so broken up that they cannot back this young man why aren't they greater why isn't there greater cohesion and cooperation he is a man who's totally dedicated and doing things, but he's, he didn't become part of any of the um, uh, uh, CPI, CPM, let alone that. Uh, even I, I don't think he was, though they call him a Moist, I don't think he was part of any bigger group. So these are the things that are still in my mind. Um, that he didn't become part of the group. He kept on working on his own. And in a sense, and I'm being now being naughty. How is he any different than my, me as an NGO working uh, in, in the bastis of um, um, Delhi or in, in the rural areas of Haryana or in the tribal pockets of um, this thing? That was palliative work. We reached out, we made them conscious, made them aware of their rights. 
I mean, he was doing 10 times more, but I do not know whether um, um, if, if he was linked to the other mass organizations of the communists, they could have brought over a, a mini revolution. NGOs can only bring about small changes. He could have if, they, if there was a backing and he had no backing. I don't know why he wasn't. He, this is what I need him to explain. But uh, before I come to Ishaat, uh, Kovat, why exactly were you picked on, do you think? I mean, like uh, Gautam says, you weren't a part of any larger operation or like what, what about you got actually, the thing is that if you see that period, 2007 onwards, 2006-7, when I was there, then in Bombay, a whole lot of arrests took place. And these none of these people were really, they were doing sort of on the fringes of health. Revolutionary type of work, but more reform and linked to mass organizations and things like that. Not hardcore types, any of these people. And there was a series of arrests during that period when uh, Manmohan Singh defined, uh, I, uh, said that these are the greatest internal and, and uh, what the greatest, yeah, the biggest to internal threat to, uh, to internal. Yeah. Right. That, that I could understand because if you see the Maoists had. Really, at its peak at that time, 80% uh, of Nepal was in their control. And right down to Lalgarh movement was starting. And then uh, Bihar, Jharkhand, then Chhattisgarh, then Andhra. And right down to Tamil Nadu and Kerala, even Karnataka, parts of it. I mean, it, they called it the Red Corridor. So, yeah. really, one third of the country was uh, that time being so-called disturbed. Of course, now it's only restricted to one or two pockets. But at right. that time, they were really worried. And uh, uh, Manmohan Singh has, had made it clear also. After all, he is also... So would you say you were collateral so, damage of that entire uh, Operation Green Hunt, Salvajadum? That yeah, because time. virtually everyone else was. Vinayak Sen also. So many others. The, a lot of people arrested in Bombay also took place. And all over the country also probably also. Of course, in that period, in Andhra, since the late 90s, I believe I was told in Hyderabad jail, there was no arrests at all. There were only encounter things. So they had wiped out everything. Wow. So it was that type of aggressive uh, policies of the uh, state at that period. And uh, I was part of that whole thing. And that continues today, you see, with the Kori Gaubim thing and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, of course. I, mean, I, I think that was really a continued. That was really a period but now actually i don't know why it's so distinct because now it's just restricted to a few pockets andhra stood I, I was surprised when i was in andhra hyderabad jail and vishaka jail i found there's nothing out there the whole gen new generation knew nothing about what naxalism though naxalism was mainstream in andhra at one time or not I, one I, time I think, for a long time I, I think the things have moved on to other other uh, other all, you yeah. can belong to other groups but ishat um, you know from your reading of the book uh, any moments that stand out for you uh, that you find remarkable, that you find disturbing, or that you disagree or agree with more? Everything that Gautam has said, I, I entirely agree with. But the two aspects which which touched, which uh, which really uh, drew my attention was one: the way he describes is the great admiration and respect and love that he had for his wife. I think that comes out very, very clearly. And the great admiration and, and how, uh, and the respect he had for her, that, you know, and he puts it down very eloquently and with no holds barred. 
you almost get to know Anuradha through the book. Uh, the second thing is that it, I think his um, uh, his in-depth analysis of casteism and his understanding of casteism, and this I've had a lot of chats with him also on the side. Whenever we meet, we talk about caste and and uh, his uh, his analysis of caste and how he really the uh, the communists gen, gen, generally consider the caste problem as a class problem. Kobe doesn't take that for granted. Uh, and I think that was the other very, very uh, important theological point that he makes, that caste stands on its own. Uh, these were the two things which, uh, and then the, the then I've, you know, I, every time I meet Koba, then we are talking and I see the serenity on his face. And I look at what the guy's gone through. You know, how can you put an individual through this? How inhuman can the state become? Why the state? How inhuman can human beings become to each other? And uh, very, very good. And, uh, you know, uh, Kobad's detail of um, Afzal's hanging, um, you know, it's, it's gone viral in Kashmir. My, my brother-in-law, is very involved with the Kashmir movement, and he said, and he knows Kobad very well. He's also a Dosco, ex-Dosco, and uh, these insights which which he gave us of Afzal Guru's hanging, or indeed how a hanging takes place, you know, these were all very very revealing things, and I really enjoyed reading the book. So, Kobad, you've clearly experienced a lot in your life, uh, and uh, you know the audience can read your book fractured freedom but there's this one bit that you know having interacted with you virtually you know the last time yeah. and and i've heard about you from many of your classmates and juniors in school uh, there's this one bit uh, from your book it says there were two big dons delhi's notorious kishan pehlwan and one fazlu rahman in my ward in tihar and I happened to be put in a cell with the former on my very first night in jail. Kishan Pehlwan, KP, was famous for the many murders he had reportedly committed and his close connection with the Chautala political family of Haryana. He was feared by all and was said to own large amounts of land, mostly delivered to believed to be seized from others and wealth over 100 crores. He was said to be implicated in over 80 murder cases. He belonged to the Chau village of the Haryana-Delhi border. Kishan Pehlwan had a running battle with one Uday Veer and his family who were the richest people in the neighborhood village. And you have spoken about these characters you met. Now, how does a man like you, a Parsi from a, you know, educated, fairly privileged middle class family of Bombay, who went to Doon and went to London to study, end up in a ward with KP and Fazlu? Like, what do you even say? Like, what was it like? Describe to me what, Surely it's not like being in the dorm when you joined Dune with, with Ishata and Gautam. Uh, it's, it's clearly a different kettle of fish. Were you scared? Were you petrified? How did these guys react to you? Like, what, what was common? Fazlur um, Rehman was a jolly sort of fellow. He wasn't just all like that. But Christian uh, Pelva, I mean, this was new to me. He, I just came in touch with him and I was there in, that, in his cell for just a day, a night. After that, I was shifted to another cell with Khalistani. But there was really, he, he was more of the local type of mafia and 
did not have much. But I met even much bigger dons than him, like Brigesh Singh. He's probably the biggest don in the country from Banaras. And he was, I was there with him for a whole year and quite a gentleman sort of person. Actually, and then in the, I was also with uh, Sunil Rathi, who was very, who was in the news lately for killing uh, Munna Bajrangi in, uh, uh, inside the jail in UP. And uh, so what did you very, say I, to these guys when you met them? What did they say to you? How did no, actually, I found, and I was with this Titu Sharma, Don of Jharkhand, who was really very helpful. He was the closest, in fact, to me because he was, the Naxalites never helped me there. It was Titu Sharma who helped me because I knew no one in Jharkhand jail. And he was really very helpful and close. But, you know, I found amongst these people a sort of respect, a sort of rob, thinking of us as Robin Hood type of people. Uh, taking from the rich, giving to the poor, that type of thing. And I really found, I got in really very well with all the dons that were there and all the really big dons. And there was one or two, there was a Haryana don uh, called uh, RK, Raj Kumar. And all of them had some story to tell. I was more interested in studying them, studying this phenomenon that was there. But were he you was scared that what no. if you get into a fight or you know no, what no, there's never, an altercation? Never, never, never. Because they were so warm and considerate, uh, most of them, that uh, I really got on better with them than I got on with others. Uh, 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 just the ordinary criminals who you don't have much. Not Kishan Pelvan type, but some of these other people. And like, what about uh, the police? And, and tell us about your experience with the police. I mean, there's a bit of decent people there are they victims are they perpetrators of an unjust system are they victims of the system what is your take on the security so I, I found the everything in delhi actually very bad the police were like worse than criminals i thought the way they dealt with me also i mean they probably got orders from the top but they just put me in a cage and transported me and they would not give me any leeway they'd give the dons leeway but they would don would tell me but they would not give any leave, though they could see I was aged, I was uh, uh, quite sick also. In fact, the judge once or twice commented, what's happening to you? You can't even stand. Uh, very nice judge. And uh, he, uh, but, uh, but everywhere else, they were very considerate. I mean, I don't know why Delhi is like that, but uh, both the jail authorities, I found quite uh, uncouth and so also the police. But in all other places, Hyderabad and Vishak, of course, it has an excellent tradition, so that was different. But even Punjab, Surat even, Gujarat also, and uh, Jharkhand also, uh, all the authorities also, it was very, Jharkhand. They, 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 they are reasonable, decent people who you encounter within the state. It was. I, uh, I don't know about Delhi, but the rest of the, all the other places. Really, like all Bombayites to get Delhi too, with good reason. <laughs> but but, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I had very good judges in Delhi, I must say, and lawyers <laughs> also. They were really, very good. And a support system. You talk about uh, the, uh, Gautam was mentioning about so, uh, support system. There were the human rights groups associated with, with the left and all that who did help. Of course, relatives also have. Yeah, yeah, what I wanted to ask you, yeah. Bobby, yeah. Yeah. was you know, you've written about uh, the Dalit Panthers. And I know yeah. that during my time, one of the exciting subjects that came up for a journalist was the Dalit Panther movement. And we were yeah. very hopeful that it would lead on to changes because it had the Marxist ideology, also the need to yeah. overthrow the system. And yeah. you worked with them. How, what was your experience of them and why did this um, fade away? 
and is this is this part of the whole communist movement within india that they don't survive this no, survive for a while and then they vanish is the lack of staying power lack of unity lack of linking arms what is it no as far as communist movement goes gotham there is certainly a lot of all that uh, which i tried to touch on in the third section and the reason for that and uh, you can't get two lawyers very often talking the same group they are but they will not talk to each other and things like that i don't know so i've tried to touch on that the reasons for that out there i wouldn't blame individuals but uh, as far as the system goes of thinking and that's why i've tried to introduce the concept of happiness freedom and a new value system right because right and without that i i don't think you this what you are talking about will ever rectify but with the panther movement it was like the black panthers i think it was an outburst that took place yes. out here and they styled themselves on the black panther in america and it was really an explosive an explosion of the dalit uh, rights uh, the feeling of self respect and and things like that some leftists like the cpi types were sort of linked to them i was also linked to the leadership but i didn't have that much uh, influence and i don't think the cpi never took up the caste question as such Yes. but uh, some individuals were linked to the leaders and uh, then after after some time the panthers the leadership went some went to the shift and some went to literary work and things like that but i do feel that the panther movement had its uh, cultural and psychological impact on the dalit movement that was to come in the future till this day i mean that it had because that feeling of revolt even the bhim sena that Uh, occurred so many years later in UP was in a way I think linked to that and Ishaat was mentioned that caste was a major issue of my activities and uh, and also writings and also Anu's and uh, we really worked and Maharashtra has that history also of Pule Ambedkar Bhakti movement right. anti caste struggles so it's really a we carried on in that tradition basically. So Ishaat, uh, if you know you were to make a prediction of what next for kobad i mean does he have more books in there that you'd like to read are there any stories he has told you which don't find their ways into the books that come out in the market or the articles that he writes what would you predict he will do next or what would you like to see him do next uh, i mean another before i i will answer that question but i want to ask kobad the question may i please may i ask you kobad you know of late yeah a theory is now developing that the dalits are being absorbed in the hindutva fold and quite frankly dalits in large numbers have voted for the for the bjp uh do you think uh, this is a uh, a temporary move or quite honestly hindutva has finally broken away from the mold and dalits are very much part of 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 uh, mainstream hindutva the problem is with rishat uh, with india there's a caste within caste within caste within caste we are just divided into hundred uh, thousands of pieces and who's feels indian i don't know everyone feels onto their caste identity and i don't think anywhere that's why as long as and what happens is within the dalits it is like in maharashtra it is the mahars who have been in the forefront in the 
UPS Chamars, who have been in the forefront of Dalit assertion. I, when I was then briefly in Gujarat, it, there also I found there was one section. It's normally the highest section of the Dalits who are more educated, who have come into this assertive thing. While all the other lower sections have been uh, roped in into the Hindu uh, fold. So it's the Chamars who might support Mayawati, but uh, or here the Dalits who support, uh, the Mahars who support Ambedkar. Their percentage is high, no doubt, amongst the Dalits. But then there are still a small section within the Dalit community and the Hindutva thing has been able to appeal, even if not to them, to the other sections. And certainly the OPCs, they've been able to, which have caste feelings amongst them. But not only OPCs, even amongst the lower Dalits, like the Matangs in Maharashtra, I'm talking about, Matangs and the other, sec other lower uh, the, these uh, castes that are there and you uh, they uh, can be taken away by uh, this type of thing and, and that self-respect feeling which came with the Dalit at the moment uh, basically affected a section of the Dalits in Maharashtra it's the Mahars very clearly and we, Anu and I basically have worked we have worked amongst Dalits all, all our life in Indora we lived in a Dalit Basti but they were all Mahars I don't think we came across any Matang or anyone in. There were a few, also in like Kabir Kalamanjan, some people, they were, I believe, Matangs, but basically they were all Mahans. So it's these other sections that can, that have been easily taken in by all this, this thing. And this, I, I just read in, uh, someone in Karaman gave me an out, uh, this thing of a person from Rajasthan, a Dalit, who joined the RSS. And he left it because he found fascism out there. He became a, a section of the leader. It was a very interesting story. He said he got influenced by the oh. Hindutva, not by BJP or anyone, but by the Ramayan. When the Ramayan was played in the eight, mid 80s, that's right. That was what brought the about him. Yes. Yeah, that is what uh, I remember that we were in Nakur that time, and it was very uh, popular. Very popular. Very popular. TV had just started, and it was, I remember now, even then, clearly that it was like a Curfew virtually. No one would be seen yeah. that in those days. In fact, we had gone for midterm once. Uh, and on Sunday, the, you know, the shops used to be deserted yeah. on Shimla, Chakrata. And everyone was watching TV on like one, you know, Panki Dukan somewhere. No one yeah. would serve That's, you. Yeah. Uh, everywhere, was, probably throughout the country, it was like that. And this fellow said he, he came to join the RSS. He became a state because of the Rama, basically. So, but he got dissolution afterwards and came out and he's written this book now. But, uh, and other sexual people are not so aware, so they just stay there. So, and... So, I'll answer your question. Yeah. I'll answer your question now. You know, uh, first of all, I, I find it absolutely remarkable as to how composed Kobad is. I mean, Gautam was here last week and we met for lunch twice. And when we were sitting around, you know, Kobad was chatting. You could never imagine that this Johnny had three years ago was going from jail to jail. So I have absolutely no doubt in my mind. He's of a very sunny nature. I have no doubt in mind that Kobad is going to be a prolific writer going forward. He already has two or three things lined up. So I, I, I can assure you that Roli will be quite busy going forward. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, any parting words from you, Gautam, before I give? Well, yeah, I think this conversation should be continued. And now in Delhi, both Ishaat and Kobat, and of course you are invited, Abhinandan. You are Thank now you. part of our gang, and you have to come. And we'll do do so over a drink or a glass of beer or something stronger, if you like. <laughs> the conversation conversation should continue. That's what I would like, and come to know each other much better because. I'm meeting Isha, uh, Koba, uh, both Ishad, of course, Koba, I knew a bit more. But Ishad, though in Bombay, I hardly ever met him because he was uh, rising up the corporate ladder. So it'd be nice now that we are That's in our 70s and that we can all get together and interact and learn more about Koba's adventure. Yeah. Sure, uh, I would be most honored if I'm invited to that evening of you gentlemen. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure how often people invite batch you know people three decades junior to them but i, I would be more than happy but kobad um, you know before uh, i i once again urge the people you've seen kobad you've seen what a fun happy guy he is uh, read this book and you'll understand why that is so remarkable and why his friends keep popping on it and then you will see that that guy is this guy and just try to make sense of that but kobad you know a friend of mine had once told me that uh, you know because when when I chose what I chose to do, when when I did flirt with activism at one, activism at one point, um, she says, never lose the anger in you, but don't become an angry person. Well yeah. said, very well said, really. very well said. So, that's very true. Yeah. So, in your case, is there an anger in you? Because because you see it when you you feel it when you read the book, but you don't feel it when I interact with you. What, what what makes you in this emotional equilibrium that you are in? You see, the thing is that even inside jail, when I would read things, I would really feel a lot of anger in me when I felt things were going wrong or unjust. And actually, it was my out ability. Fortunately, uh, Sumit Chakravarti and uh, Mainstream took all my articles and printed it. And I felt the release of that anger in that. So it is, if there's any form of this type of justice, I do feel anger. But then I also do philosophize it. It's not against individuals. It's against the system as such. The system is bound to lead to this. And so I don't have it, any uh, grudges against the people. Even the negative aspects I saw in the movement. First, I would, uh, before I came to this level of consciousness, I would feel very irritated and angry and things like that. But now I feel that's part of the system. The movement, communist movement is built in that way. And so individuals become like that. And uh, Anu was just an exception. I don't think she had to transform. She was sort of natural. That came naturally to her because of probably a parent and that type of atmosphere. But uh, all of us have to struggle against our subconscious programming that has been there in childhood. And we are not very successful against it. And the communist movement doesn't help very So. Uh, anger is very much there when we hear and see justice, see the environment breaking, the migrants the suffering. That is very much there. But it's more, it's not against individuals or even, in fact, against the party. The system, as long as it remains like this, I feel these things are inevitable. And for me, it's a person, things are, like, are going to be like this unless there's an alternative. And it's that viable alternative that I'm seeking to portray, like Ishaat says, in future books also, develop those concepts and give a more viable alternative. <laughs> so we look forward to those future books. Uh, thank you, Ishaat. Thank you, Gautam. And thank you so much, Kobad. For this, I repeat, it's called Fractured Freedom, a prison memoir. 
Vaikobad Gandhi, three decades my senior from school, and Gautam and Rishad, who are also three decades my senior. Thank you, Roly Books. Uh, and I am Abhinandan Sekri from newslaundry.com. That doesn't take advertising, and that's why we say pay to keep news free, because when the public pays, the public is served, when advertisers pay. Advertisers serve, support independent media, support good literature, and support good people. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for listening, audience. We shall see you next time. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.